It's Light the Tower, your daily look around the world of sports with Hall of Fame broadcaster and voice of the Texas Longhorns, Craig Way, and Horns 24-7 insider, Jeff Howe, on your live, local, and independent home for sports talk in Austin, The Horn. Second hour of Light the Tower on the Horn. Craig and Jeff with you. Our new producer, Cam Parker, alongside as well. With you up till noon, it'll be Chad and Zay coming up at that point. In um, in a couple of minutes, we'll uh, we'll hear the uh, the conversation that I had. Uh, there were two brief conversations post-game. One with Rodney Terry and one with Marcus Carr, and we'll uh, bring those to you here. We do have another Longhorn Notebook uh, coming up. Well, prior to that, we have a Flex... 30 update before the bottom out. This one, I, like I said, I look forward to it with great eagerness because it involves one Jeff Howe. There's a, a, conne- a connection to me okay. in this one. Okay, all right. So it's connected to him. So uh, No, it won't be negative towards Gerald, I promise. <laughs> okay, thank Somebody you. Somebody texted and said they changed the station whenever I start talking about Gerald. So. Oh, okay. My I, bad. I wonder if they were from Gerald. Maybe. It's unfortunate if they are. Yeah. You know, such you is to, life. You have to understand it is a rivalry. And and you know, Purple Buffalo's daddy really upholds the the you know uh, the mantle of, of Well if, of, if I angered him Gerald. in the first hour, he's you know trying to figure out how to send that in Morse code and get it over here over the text line. Mm, all right. The, right. the dial up connection can be a little yeah, hit or miss. Okay. So anyway, well <laughs> we'll uh, we'll have that coming up in a few minutes. Um the uh the the season is over for the Cowboys. They uh Yeah. I know you didn't have a good feeling going into the game uh with uh, San Francisco. I did pick them to win on Friday. I just did. did you end up doing that? Yeah, I just got the the homerism just got the best yeah. of me. I decided to let my pessimistic Cowboys guard down and it bit me in the south end. But you know, aside from the game, Craig, and, and look, the 49ers are a better football team than the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The, the main thing I came away from that game with was I love Dak Prescott. I love Dak Prescott as a person. I've defended Dak Prescott as a player. Mm-hmm. But you can't defend his play in that game. And It's if, indefensible. If you would have just dropped somebody into that stadium or, or put them in front of the TV that didn't know anything about football – and said, watch this game and tell me which quarterback is the seven-year veteran making $40 million a year and which is the rookie quarterback, you probably would have picked the wrong guy because Brock Purdy looked like he was as in control as you could be in that situation. So in, in, in the, for the Cowboys' offense to be so fragile that when Tony Pollard goes out of the game, everything is just wrecked, I think it just shows you, regardless of what happens with Dan Quinn, and, and you may need to hire a new defensive coordinator, mostly a new defensive staff, You've got pieces over there that can allow you to play winning football. It just shows you how much more work there is to do with this offense. You can't, the only way to fix your Dak Prescott problem, if you assume there is a Dak Prescott problem, the only way to fix it at this point is to surround him with as many weapons as possible. Because I think Dak right now, he, Craig, he's in that Kirk Cousins category. He's good. He's better than more than half the quarterbacks in the league. But is he good enough to get you to that next level? 
Well, I think the two go hand in hand. What you just described is if you want Dak Prescott to get you to the next level, you have to surround him with weapons. What do you think the situation is with Brock Purdy? It, 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 you know, uh, I understand that there's there's the flavor of the month thing going on with Brock Purdy right now. He didn't exactly light it up yesterday. He scored one offensive touchdown. But what he did do, what he did do, he made key throws in key moments. Uh, the one to Kittle was gigantic, obviously. He made he was on point on those throws. And he didn't make the big mistake either. Right. He didn't make the big catastrophic error. Now, he's he's got weapons around to help shield him against making that kind of mistake. He had more weapons than than Dak Prescott has. However, I would say his throws are a, of a higher secure rate than, sure. than, than a lot of the higher risk rate throws that Dak attempted in the game, and that ultimately was, was part of the undoing. Uh, that That's unfortunate there. For sure. But, you know, you look at what this offseason no, – and no, Texter, I'm not saying that Dak doesn't have any weapons. You're totally misunderstanding what I'm saying. I'm saying is when you look at this offseason and the way their offense is and what is coming – you're going to part ways with Zeke Elliott because now you're you're at, you're in a position where it's it makes sense financially, it's feasible financially for you to get out from under that god awful contract. So you'll part ways with Zeke Elliott. Uh, can you do a deal with Tony Pollard, or is he going to walk in free agency? Uh, do you need to do another deal with Dalton Schultz, or can you find a better tight end? I would venture. And Tyron Smith is probably going to retire. Jason Peters is forty, so. You, it's another offseason where you need to address your offensive line issues. So, really, other than receiver, they're looking at an offseason where running back, tight end, and offensive line in that order might be your three biggest priorities this offseason, whether that's the draft, free agency. And this cannot be one of those offseasons, Craig, where the Cowboys just kind of stand. There's, there's a difference between – being proactive and being reckless in free agency, and there's a difference between sticking to the process and being reactive to a detriment in free agency, too, to look at both ends of the spectrum. I think the Cowboys have been reacted to a detriment in free agency, just trying to fill it with guys off the scrap heap, street free agents, undrafted free agents, whatever. But those are positions where you're going to need to address them in the draft, most yeah. likely. And you're going to have to figure out in free agency where you're going. And maybe one of your answers is, hey, maybe maybe you do do a deal with Tony Pollard that makes sense. And figure, okay, we can attack tight end and offensive line in the draft. Or maybe there's a tight end that you like, and you figure, okay, running back and O-line, we can attack in the draft. Whatever it is, uh, you – Look at what it took for you to get to this position to where you are right now. And for you to get back to that, you're going to have to fix a lot of those issues on offense. Because you can't fix the Dak Prescott issue. That's my point. Financially, you you just can't do it. It's there. You you can't cut him. You can't trade him. Whatever. He's he's your quarterback. You're, You're locked into him. Now is the point where, okay, what can you put around him to at least get you back to the divisional round and maybe help you get over the hump. I've, I've said uh, over the years to the frustrated, and I understand the frustrated Cowboy fan uh, about how this has to be changed. That Jerry Jones is blah, blah, blah. And, and I just say, Jerry's the owner and a general manager. That will not change. No. It's the way he wants it. That is the, the, That would be maddening to me if I were a Cowboy fan, if, if the owner uh, who had showed himself not to be a good general manager continued to do that. That would be the maddening part to me as a fan. 
it would make me kind of numb uh, to 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 the whole process, knowing that Jerry's there. That's why Aaron Hogan was pretty safe in making that promise back in 1999 that if they ever won the Super Bowl, he would walk to Dallas because he said as long as Jerry is both owner and GM, and and so you know as long as he's both. It's the odds are going to be greatly against the Cowboys being able to to go all the way through and win it because there's just not enough football management, not ownership. I'm talking about football roster management and team management and coach management with the structure as it is. I, I would disagree with that to an extent, at least in recent years, because it does seem like Will McClay and Steven Jones have been much more involved on the player personnel side. I know Jerry's got the final say, and mm-hmm. I'm not going to deny that. I'd be naive to deny that as a Cowboys fan, but it does seem like those other two guys, you've got a football guy in Will McClay. And honestly, I mean, Steven Jones at this point, Craig, he's been around it long enough that I think he's seen he's seen the good of it, he's seen the good side of it, he's seen the bad side of it. He's been in there, he's been in the war room with Jimmy Johnson, he's been in the war room with Bill Parcells. So Stephen Jones, at least conceptually, has spent most of his adult life understanding the right way and the wrong way to build a franchise, at least from a player personnel standpoint. So I, I feel I feel like they've got it from that, and and you look at the way they've drafted. I mean, the Cowboys have done really well in the draft. I mean, most of their roster is homegrown, but you're at the point now where, yeah, you've got your homegrown guys, but you need to really look at what's going to take it over the top. And I wouldn't be shocked. I've got to look and see the draft order where they're picking. Cameron, you can find that for me. Find out where the Cowboys are 26. picking. 26. 26, thank you. I would really look at the board and I would say, you know what? If you can't do a deal with Tony Pollard and you're moving away from Zeke, if Bijan Robinson or Jameer Gibbs are there, I don't think Bijan will, but there's a chance Gibbs yeah. will probably be. Could be. If Jameer Gibbs is there, you'd have to think really hard about drafting a running back in the first round. It's more palatable to take a running back in the late 20s than it is to take one in the top five. True. That might be your answer because Jameer Gibbs is one of those guys that can be a multifaceted player that can give you some juice. Uh, a, a couple of questions about all this on the Specs text line. Somebody said, I wonder if Jerry Jones still believes the Cowboys go as far as they go with Zeke. Well, if he does, it's not far enough. I think he may be. He may be cooling that, to that. You've got to get out from under that contract. Yeah, uh, it's a little bit different. Somebody uh, says it's time for a new OC in Dallas. Not that Kellen Moore is terrible. It's time for fresh ideas, different voice for Dak. We've seen mediocre quarterbacks look a lot better when a different OC is done. That's possible. I would I would only say to you a week ago with that Monday night win over Tampa Bay, everyone was singing the praises of Kellen Moore. Why? Because Dak played really well. His, his Kellen Moore, I'll say this about Kellen Moore, his money down play calling in the two playoff games was really, really good. Yeah. It's so. just the execution was much better in the wild card game than it was yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, somebody said, I like Stephen Jones as a general manager a lot more than Jerry because I've never seen Stephen Jones fall in love with a player like Jerry does. <laughs> I've seen him talk his dad out of drafting players like Johnny Manziel as well. I don't think he's as controlled by his emotions as much by his dad as, as far as drafting players is concerned. Agree with all of that. Dad is still in charge. And yes, there are those instances. You pointed out the Manziel thing, a couple of things where they can kind of you know, steer him away, mm-hmm. uh, you know, from walking out in the middle of traffic. But still, he's still the man in charge. Let's not forget, too, yeah, they, they took Dak Prescott in the fourth round. They tried two different times in that draft to get a different quarterback. They tried to trade, and, and those were Jerry calls. They tried to trade back into the first round to get Paxton Lynch and couldn't do it. And then in that fourth round, they tried to take Connor Cook, and he had gone a couple of, because they had two fourth-round picks. Connor Cook had gone a couple of picks before that first fourth-round pick. Yep. 
Absolutely. Um, somebody said make a deal for Sam Ellinger and the option chances are highly increased. That, that wouldn't matter. That Dak's a $40 million guy. He's going to be the quarterback. That's the part that I said that's going to be maddening yeah. for a lot of Cowboy fans is that doesn't change. That's not going to yeah. change. He's going to be the uh, – barring injury, and he's had injuries, but that, that's not going to change. No, this, Dak is in that – that Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr, he's in that realm now where you're paying this guy a lot of money. You got to ride with him. You got to ride with him, and the the only option you have is to figure out, okay, what do we need to put around this guy to get us over the top? Yeah, right, exactly. Uh, the uh, it, so it's it's Eagles and Forty ers I know you hate the Eagles. Is Russia an option? See, you, you actually said on this program that you would root for the Eagles against Gerald. I think he's, oh, you said yeah. you root for the Soviet, the old Soviet Union against Gerald. Yeah. That's rather un-American of you. Well, that's, that's the town in Texas, in your home state, in your home county, for, for goodness sakes, man. I don't really claim Gerald in Williamson County. It's like Bell County, if you want that, you can have it. Mm. Just take it. <laughs> Annex it or whatever. So, Eagles 49ers? <sighs> I just, I continue to, say that, that people continue uh, to, to love on the 49ers, I and a, I get it. I have to pick a winner, though. Uh, I, 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 did the Eagles show anybody any reason not to be... Uh, you know, enamored with them? Yeah, but they're playing the Giants, and it's uh, the Giants have had a great year, but that thing was going to come undone at some point. I'll say this. If there's a saving grace here, it's Kyle Shanahan, Richard Hightower, Hassan Ridgeway, Charles mm-hmm. Manu, those guys getting rings over the Eagles winning another Super Bowl. That would be the only thing that I would that I would like about that because as a Rams fan, I, I the 49ers are to me as a Rams fan what the Eagles are to Cowboy fans. Can't root for them under any circumstance or whatever. In the AFC, Joe Burrow looks great. Cincinnati looked outstanding I'm glad yesterday. That's the prime. And I, I was dead wrong about that game. I thought the Bengals with a patchwork offensive line. I thought they were toast going to Buffalo in the snow. They man, Joe Burrow's got himself. I, I haven't looked at quarterback tiers or done quarterback rankings. Man, if you want to say Joe Burrow is one of the top three or four quarterbacks in this league right now, I wouldn't disagree with you. Right. Well, remember at the start of the year, everybody was just just loving on Josh Allen, best quarterback in all of football, best quarterback in all of football was said in this building by other pe- people during the course the of the AFC, year. Craig, I mean, Josh Allen gets more love, Justin Herbert yeah. gets more love, Trevor Lawrence got more love this season for the turnaround they had. In Obviously, Mahomes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you still got and Patrick Mahomes, sense. but the, the, I mean, at the end of the day, Jalen Hurts has had an MVP year. I think I really think you can make an argument. This is the two best quarterbacks in football right now going head-to-head in this AFC Championship game. Yeah. Yeah, probably could be. I, I think that Jalen Hurts is, is, would probably be my pick for MVP, but, but I wouldn't think it was abominable if any of those three, including Burrow and Mahomes, wound up being MVP. And I, I mentioned the Bijan thing, which, again, I don't think Bijan lasts until 26, but it says Jerry doesn't lean to draft Texas players. Might I remind you, that might be the case. He traded two first-round picks for Roy Williams once upon a time. So yeah. it's not like he has some anti-Texas bias. Uh, hey, CB reminds drafted, us. That, uh, drafted Wayne McGarity also. That's true. CB reminds us that Richard Hightower's in Chicago. Oh, is he really? I thought yeah. he was still with the Niners. He, he had been. Okay. He had been. Uh, so the other three, Kyle Shanahan, Hassan Ridgeway. Charles Minute. Yeah. 
Yeah. So anyway, all right. Uh, we had I know a lot of lot of folks weighing in on that. Before we get to the break here, I, I did want to hear a couple of conversations. First of all, Marcus Carr, who had the uh, uh, big game, he had nineteen of his twenty three in the second half. Jeff, this morning I was on um, uh, national radio program, uh, and I think you've been on it uh, there on Big Twelve Radio. Mm-hmm. Uh, was who, on with our friend Ari Temkin. Ari was hosting with morning. Fran Fraschilla. Oh, nice. And Fran, of course, was in Morgantown to do the game as well on Saturday. And we were talking a lot about it. And Fran was talking about how he has been so impressed with Marcus Carr and how he said, right now, right now, as we get close to the midway mark of conference play, Marcus Carr is as good a candidate for Big 12 Player of the Year as anybody right now. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can certainly make lots of cases uh, for a lot of the guys around the Big 12. And nobody, Deontay Johnson, Marquise Noel. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and nobody's going to uh, nobody's going to uh, question uh, those those choices as well. Uh, Jalen Wilson at Kansas, you know, is a massive. Gabe, Gabe Kalsher. Gabe Kalsher at Iowa State. I mean, great choices. Uh, there, right now, there's not a wrong answer uh, with us. But Marcus would probably be in the conversation what mm-hmm. he's been doing down the stretch and in big second half moments. And remember, he hit the big shot against West Virginia last year, and he's uh, he's he's had good performances against the Mountaineers. And boy, did he have a good second half! It was part and parcel of our, our conversation that uh, Marcus Carr and I had after the game in the locker room on Saturday night. We talked about this a lot of times when you feel the need to kind of exert your influence on the game to kind of take control of it. Did you kind of have that feeling again tonight as tight as it was going down inside the final five minutes? Uh, yeah, for sure. You know, we were honestly just focused on, you know, playing defense and getting stops. Um, that was the biggest thing. You know, we're a pretty confident team on offensive end, but we also know our defense, our offense is best when our defense helps it. So, Honestly, it was just focused on getting stops, being a pest on the defensive end, just trying to create easy baskets for us. Well, one of the keys tonight, and, and uh, Coach Warren was talking about this, was when you guys face the zone, being able to attack it and do that. Can you describe a little bit what's going through everybody's mind when you set out to attack a zone like that? Uh, yeah, no, the coaching staff does a great job of having us prepared. You know, they watch hours and hours of film and come to us with a plan, and, you know, we just try and go out there and execute the game plan. So today we did a good job of, you know, going up against their kind of matchup type zone that they had. And like I said, the coaches had a great game plan for us, and we just had to go out there and execute. Late in the game there when the time was running down, you're waving everybody back. What t- Take us through what you're trying to do in that sequence. Um, well, you know, at that point they're trying to pressure and kind of, you know, get up into us, try and force a turnover or a bad shot. So, you know, at that point we kind of just want to spread them out, and then I just want to use my ability to kind of drive – and if I can score, score. But, you know, I know the defense is probably going to collapse, so I just wanted everybody to be as space as possible and be ready for open shots. You're kind of a one-man wrecking crew against this group. Do you like playing against West Virginia? <laughs> uh, I like playing every game. And I like trying to win every game. So, you know, they're, they're a hard-playing team. Going all the way back to my freshman year, I've had battles with West Virginia. So, um always just trying to go out there. I love to compete. I love to win. So, you know, they're a great hard-playing team. It's always fun going against them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... You know he's he's always fun to visit with and and uh, I, I I don't know if it was, it was the best what I'm about to say, but it belongs in the top two or three offensive performances against a zone when they did that the way they attacked that matchup zone mm-hmm. and and it, and it made West Virginia get real tentative defensively against that zone. And so they were able to get penetration and get it and get higher percentage looks and things like that. It wasn't just knocking down threes from the outside. He did that, some of that too, 
But being able to attack the zone and, and get it to other guys to finish, I thought, it's was It's really amazing good. what happens when you move the basketball on offense. <laughs> yeah, it is. It, it, it does uh, make a big difference on that. Okay, um, so uh, there, that's that from Marcus Carr. In, in, in a few minutes, we'll have our long or notebook, and we'll hear from Rodney Terry. But right now, how about a Flex 30 update here as we get that going here in hour number two? Flex ATX for the best high school sports coverage. Listen to the horn and go to flxatx.com. Flex 30 is brought to you by Brain Vault. Brain Vault is a revolutionary and patented mouth guard that has been proven to help reduce the risk of concussion. Visit brainvault.com and join the movement. Uh, okay. All right. I, I, I can't wait to, uh, to hear this. Before uh, we do that, though, real quick, I just want to uh, encourage everybody, get over to Horns 24-7. All of your Texas Junior Day recaps are going to be there. Uh, Hudson Standish with some outstanding notes on the site, including a lot of local products showed up at Junior Day. Yep. Uh, I know Jacob Henry from Lake Travis was out there with his yep. dad. I uh, saw some of the 2025 crew from Glenn roll up. A couple of the bigger names in and around the area. Kind of those three big-time offensive line prospects in the 2024 class. We talk about Michael Uni at Coppers Cove, uh, Ori Williams at San Marcus, and then Blake Frazier at Vandegrift, who Blake Frazier actually picked up an offer from Texas on Saturday, so he has the Texas offer to his growing list. So uh, get over there and check all that out. A lot of local guys were at, uh, were at Junior Day. All right, here's the tie-in yeah, with me. Can't wait to hear this. So I get this press release last night, and Craig, you know what? Oftentimes we get press releases like, eh, I don't really want to read this. Right, and, right, right. But I skimmed through it last night, and I see the Texas High School Coaches Association has announced the official state finalists of the state of Texas for the 2022-2023 National Football Foundation's National High School Academic Excellence Award. Woo. The award is the first nationwide recognition honoring individual high school football teams for excellence in the classroom with a team GPA of 3.0 or higher. And we had a number of teams from the area represented. How about in 6A? Yeah. Lake Travis and Westlake. There we go. And 4A, Elgin. Shout out to Elgin. Yep. And Georgetown. Yeah. I go to 4A, Smithville. And then as I go down the list, I see private schools. And I see San Marcos Academy. Woo-hoo! As a finalist. They must have a really we good... Do, pr- and we know who's at the head really of that finance. Yes, we know who is in charge of that fine institution. That I, is one, <laughs> Tamara Howe. Yeah, I, I, Tamara was uh, in the living room last night. I was in my office. I get this. I'm like, hey, did you know about this? And I'm telling her, she's like... Yeah, I had to sign off on the paperwork on that to <laughs> verify it the other day. So, yes, I did know that before you did. She's so like, unassuming. Oh, She's so modest about that. So, shout out to uh, everybody, uh, Coach Chacon and all the kids at SMA for that. Uh, Absolutely. 3.0 or above Team GPA. And also Smithville, Elgin, Georgetown, Westlake, and Lake Travis. Absolutely. And that's not easy to do with an entire football team to get a cum of 3.0 or higher. But what, what year Elgin has had? Get yeah. the massive turnaround on the field. Great and job then, by Coach Clawson. Great job by those guys. To have this kind of performance in the classroom on yep. top of it, man, this is it's an awesome year. Yep, for Elgin, no doubt about it. Uh, all right, there it is. Your flex thirty update. Uh, some of those specs text line. I'm going for the only remaining Texas team in the playoffs. Go Dallas Texans. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, no. Uh, so and. Uh, We've got uh, some other things that we'll get to. Uh, somebody said, where's Isaiah Collier? Zay will be in at noon. <laughs> As he is every day. Yeah, with Chad. Chad and Zay coming up top of the hour. <laughs> That'll be at noon. 
Yeah. Hang on. Zay will be there. All right. Uh, when we come back, we'll have our uh, Longhorn Notebook for this hour when we continue to light the tower on the Horn, 104.9, 1019, AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. This is Light the Tower on the Horn. Craig Wade, Jeff Howe with him. Our new erstwhile producer is Cam Parker. And 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 Cam, you know, he, he can pick out some different musical things, you know. And this this was your completely your call on this one, right? Yeah, thinking about the Dallas Cowboys last night. <laughs> you want a sad you want a sad Cowboys fact? That I pieced together this yeah, morning. Yeah, sure. Why not? Of the eight starting quarterbacks in the divisional round, only two were born the last time the Cowboys won a Super Bowl. Wow. Dak Prescott. Yeah. And Patrick Mahomes was like a month and a half old. Wow. Oh boy. All right. That's where, that's where we're at, Craig. Sounds like we all have a case of the Mondays. And even though I'm a Rams fan, I was rooting for the Cowboys. I really am. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm married to a woman who grew up in Dallas uh, as a Cowboys fan, but kind of more distance as a Cowboy fan. So it was pretty easy to proselytize her into uh, also rooting for the Rams, you know. But she still does have some uh, loyalty to the Cowboys. She was watching it when I got home from from. The, the women's basketball game in Waco yesterday. By the way, you mentioned the Rams. Mike McCarthy, with all his playoff losses to the 49ers, yeah. he's now tied Tom Landry with his losses to the Rams for the most any coach has suffered at the hands of one team in the playoffs. That's weird, especially considering all the all the difficulty the Rams had had in the playoffs over the decades. Didn't, wasn't there a, a divisional game like in 80, the 85 season where Eric Dickerson ran for like 900 yards? Yeah, it was, it was about 220. Else. Yeah, they won twenty to nothing. It's like Bo Jackson and Tecmo Super Bowl. That was in Anaheim, and they won twenty to nothing over the Cowboys. And Dickerson went for about two twenty or something like that. And then they were summarily dispatched by the Bears the next week. Why in the you NFC lose to one of the greatest teams of all time? It's no shame in that. It is when your quarterback is Dieter Brock. Okay, the former CFL star. Where's Vince Ferragamo? That was after he made his return. To uh, to L.A. Roman Gabriel not available? Unfortunately, no. Okay. Unfortunately, no. And he didn't have much success in the postseason either. Neither did James Harris. Neither did Ron Jaworski. Neither did Pat Hayden. Shall I go on? Jim as Everett? A, uh, neither did Jim Everett. As, as a guy who's, who suffered through a lot of those years, I understand what Cowboy fans are suffering. I, I got mine last year, so I'm, I'm thrilled and I'm satiated for a little while. But... Uh, but I understand the pain that Cowboy fans are feeling. Tony Banks? Oh, he never even got sniffed the playoffs with them. Never even sniffed them uh, off of that ice cream man, says uh, uh, the ice cream main, it says. Uh, the, yeah. Uh, it says, the stat that hurt me, it'll be the seventh conference championship for the Eagles since the Cowboys have last been to one. Yeah. yeah. The Eagles have... Since the Cowboys last won, well, last went to an NFC Championship game, 
Mm-hmm. The Eagles hired Andy Reid, built the roster, went to a Super Bowl, fired Andy Reid, mm-hmm. uh, hired Chip Kelly, fired him as he mm-hmm. rebuilt the roster, hired Doug Peterson, let him rebuild the roster, won a Super Bowl, fired him, and now they're back in the NFC Championship game with Nick Sirianni, who, yeah. is, who under his watch they've rebuilt the roster once again. Here's, here's another interesting nugget. The last time the Cowboys were in an NFC Championship game, the guy who called the play-by-play is now my engineer on the road for Longhorn men's basketball, <laughs> Dave Garrett. Yeah, Dave did it for three years when yeah. Brad Sham went over to do the Rangers, and then and then uh, the the Cowboys brought him back. And uh, so, and speaking of mistakes, Jerry's made over the years. Uh, so, so uh, Dave uh, Dave has done a great many things since then, uh, and and is a teacher. In now in the state of Oklahoma. By the way, I meant to tell you this. This is going to bring us to our Longhorn Notebook. Can we get to our uh, Longhorn Notebook for this hour? It's uh, a very excited, Craig. Yeah, because it, it's got a Jeff Howe uh, uh, connection to it. Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. It's a Longhorn Notebook brought to you by Aaron Bowersock, the home loan expert, your Longhorn lender. Check her out on the web at bowersockteam.com. You openly wandered, wondered, and opined whatever happened to Kevin Pitsnoggle the other yes. day. Yes, yeah. You know what I found out when I was in uh, his lair, his former lair in uh, Morgantown, West Virginia, then I? Kevin Pitsnoggle is a middle school English and history teacher uh, near his uh, hometown uh, in West Virginia, I think. Uh, and, uh, and I think he's a middle school basketball coach, too. Wow. That's right. what he's doing now. That's what that's what Tony Caridi told me. He said Pitsnoggle's back in his hometown. Uh, he's a middle school, I think, English and history teacher, and also uh, helping coach basketball. It's there. good to know the Kenton Polino shot didn't send him down a, a dark path. He's a productive no. member of society. No, it's... no, no. He's he is a teacher, uh, as as uh, Tom pointed out. There he is, but he's uh, uh, so <laughs> had that uh, filled in for me the other evening. Uh, by that. So, Speaking of which, does Dave Garrett ever wear his Super Bowl ring, or is it just kind of rare occasion? away in a safe. He has it. It's pretty pretty nice. Uh, it was about a twenty thousand dollar ring. <laughs> so, so Dave Garrett has more Super Bowl rings than Dak Prescott and he Tony Romo combined. He does. That's where we're at. My engineer on Longhorn Road men's basketball games has more Super Bowl rings than Dak Prescott. Yes. Damn. Has had more appearances in the NFC Championship game than Dak Prescott. Yes. That is correct. By the way, I missed this. Tony Pollard is a broken fibula. Yeah. Yeah. That's, That's just, difficult. This is awesome. We're just yeah. we're having fun this morning, yeah. no? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Longhorns had fun, certainly when it was over, winning the game in Morgantown, beating West Virginia. And uh, we visited with Rodney Terry afterwards to uh, discuss uh, the hard-fought Texas 69-61 victory talking about uh, another gritty gutty effort by your ball club especially down the stretch of this one that was a great team win i thought every guy that came in tonight uh made a contribution to the game i thought our bench had a lot of energy over on the side likewise that that really helped the guys on the floor um you know we didn't shoot the ball particularly well tonight i think we only had three threes i think we made tonight we got a lot of action done in the paint though dylan the was really big i thought Kristen bishop was really big when he came in we know what we're going to get from marcus night in and night out. i thought tyrese was really really good likewise until he uh until you start cramping a little bit at the end of the game yeah and you mentioned your bigger guys where they really seem to keep west virginia's post guys at at, at arm's length and not allowing them to have high percentage looks no they've been playing you know uh power basketball the last two weeks they've been really pounding the ball inside 
I thought our staff did a great job preparing our guys for for the, the actions that they run to try to put the ball inside and uh, force those guys to take some shots from the perimeter. Two things. Talk about the, your zone that you went to and the way you attacked their matchup zone. I thought those were two keys going down the stretch. No, absolutely. Uh, the matchup zone, we needed to, you know, whatever we call, we needed to run it because, you know, it was a matchup zone, basically, man, you know, defenses, what they're running. I thought that guys did a great job of handling the trap traps all night. You know, we, Marcus did a great job passing out of those traps. Tyrese did a great job getting out of those traps and put them in the right place, and then we were in attack mode to try to score behind it. We had to go too late because those guys were really hurting us in the t- with the high pick and roll, trying to get downhill. They were trying to get to the free throw line and get to the paint, so we needed to slow that action down. How, do, how often do you get a chance to work on that sort of thing during the cur- course of a daily practice? We actually have been working on the last two days of practice. We've been working on our zone defense, and we knew we were going to po- possibly have to have it tonight, whether they were attacking us in pick and roll or whether they were trying to attack us in the paint with their big guys. We would have to have our zone ready for, for oh. that tonight. That's the preparation. The work, they knew the zone would be coming, and they worked on it for the couple of days of practice going right into that. Um, when the game ended, Jeff, I asked Scott McConnell, who handles, obviously, uh, media relations so well for Longhorn men's basketball, and I asked him, I just kind of, I was kind of uh, wondering aloud as well. I said, I wonder when the last time was, if ever, but the last time, that Texas won in Norman, Stillwater, and Morgantown in the same year. Scott McConnell checked it. The answer was never. Wow. West Virginia's been in the league 10 years. They came in in 2012-2013. This is their 11th season of Big 12 Conference play. And during these 11 years, no Texas team had ever won in the same year in Norman, Stillwater, in Morgantown. I know that's a, it's kind of a weird number, but I just got to thinking about it because those places have been historically difficult places to play, although not lately for Texas and Morgantown. They won four of their last five in Morgantown. They beat in West Virginia overall five of the last six times and eight of the last ten. So they, they've done well against Bob Huggins' team. But, um, but I got to thinking about that because when West Virginia first came in, Oklahoma State was really good. Uh, West Virginia was good at the time. Oklahoma had another Final Four run in them a few years later. So I thought, did they ever have a year where they got where they got wins in three of the more difficult environments, especially Stillwater and uh, Morgantown? Those are those places. I'd put those two places and Ames and Lawrence even more so than than Manhattan, Ames and Lawrence, and those other two places as the toughest places to win in this league. Baylor in recent years has been difficult, obviously, uh, and Lubbock has its own unique flavor and those things that have happened. But those have been tough places to play, and for the first time, they got wins in all three of those cities in the same year. They're 3-1 and one on the road now. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll see what happens. Now they get the rematch with Oklahoma State on Wednesday. And you mentioned the, the AP poll has come out now. Texas at 10 correct? Yep. Uh, after the uh, loss to Iowa State, but then the win, they're 10. And Tennessee is number four? Yes. Okay. So Tennessee is number four, Texas is number 10. So it's going to be a top 10 matchup this Saturday, regardless of what happens on Wednesday night, tomorrow night, excuse me, when Texas has the rematch with Oklahoma State. But hopefully, uh, hopefully they will uh, be able to carry that into that. One, one other thing before we get to the break here. You've heard me mention it before, the West Virginia dog. 
uh, the the hot dog in West Virginia, which what is, is that? it's a lot like a Carolina slaw dog. I love it, and they only sell it at one uh, concession stand up there. It's a hot dog with like um, Dijon mustard on it, and then it's got onions, it's got chili, and it has coleslaw on it. It's a great dog. Uh, it's similar to the ones they have in Texas. Well, the the the, the only person I know who love loves these as much, if not more than me, is Rick Barnes. Uh, Rick's last trip there, when Texas played there, Rick and Chris Ogden and I walked up there to stand <laughs> to the stands, and before the game, can you imagine a head basketball coach going to the concession stand? And he wanted, he wanted a hot dog, and he said, "We'll get one for Ogden." And he said, "Craig, you want one?" I said, "Sure." So he goes three, and then said, "That'll be whatever twenty-one dollars or whatever it was." He didn't have his wallet with him, so Ogden paid for it. I think at the time. But then Rick asked before left, he goes, you guys closed it. When do you guys close? And he said, well, when the game's over. And, oh, okay. And they said, what do you need, coach? And he said, could I send an order up before the game ends? <laughs> Absolutely. And it was a night where Texas won. He ordered 10. Jeez. And was passing them out to assistant coaches. I think uh, I had another one. Eddie Horton had one. Uh, Ogden had one. And I think Rick, who normally doesn't indulge in those things, he's usually very health conscious, but he ate two. So I sent him this photo of this dog is a text. And of course they, the Tennessee was very impressive in their win, uh, in Baton Rouge over LSU. So I sent this to him and I said, uh, congrats on a good win down in Baton Rouge tonight. Eddie and I thought about you when we were putting down a couple of West Virginia dogs up here in Morgantown. He goes, I'm jealous. You both know how much I love a hot dog. Looking forward to seeing both of you. Love you, Craig. Did the, uh, labor- so, laboratory on the flight back, get a Good workout with ten hot dogs. It didn't, it didn't run. No. Oh, huh? that night. Yeah. Maybe I can't yeah, remember. I can but it was imagine. good. We'll be back to wrap up. Light the tower on the horn. Light the tower with Craig Way and Jeff Howe, which is about to conclude here. Thanks to Cameron Parker, our brand new producer. Hey, you're one for one. You did all right. Yeah, not too bad, right? Yeah, yeah. It's all right. We're off and running. It's all upward the, from here. Cameron. Yeah. There we go. Uh, we'll look forward to uh, bringing you a preview of Texas Oklahoma State. Tomorrow, the rematch between the Longhorns and the Cowboys as Texas is sitting a game out of first place in the Big 12 Conference standing. So we'll have more on that coming away tomorrow. We invite you to stay tuned up next, Chad and Zay. So, for our producer, Cameron Parker, and for my co-host, Jeff Howe, I'm Craig Way. Thanks for joining us. We'll visit with you tomorrow morning, 10 o'clock, right here on Light the Tower.